millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a story about really making some people pay with compliance. But first, a story from Ancient Educator 76. You can't talk to a paying customer like that. Fine, consider yourself comped and get the freak out of here. This is not the story I wish it was based on the title, and for that I apologize. Running the drive through for fast food has its ups and downs. The ups are when we manage to find the humor in the stupidity, weirdness, and quirkiness of others, and the downs are when we're treated like absolute garbage. I'll start off by saying a quote that my manager said that Dave Thompson, founder of Wimpy, said, Once a customer insults an employee of mine, they're no longer a customer. If this was an actual quote, I could truly say this is the malicious compliance, but it lies truly in the fact that the customer I'm about to write about didn't pay for her food. I wouldn't let her. So Mumbles McGee comes in hot on the drive-thru, sputtering her seriously unintelligible garbage to the tune of, I need a burger with pickies and ons and mustard, not ketchup, but mustard and no mayo and a chocolate shuck. This is exactly how it sounded, except shuck really sounded like chunk the way she pronounced it. I tried to explain to her as she rattled this off that first, I needed her to slow down, and second, I needed to know what burger. We have a 2 ounce and a 4 ounce burger. Third, it works better if the customer either says what they do want or what they don't as a very distant second, but still doable. I once had a customer list 10 things they didn't want. It was probably Julia Stiles, a la 10 toppings I hate about you, rest in peace Heath Ledger. However, listing things that you want combined with things you don't, thereby unnecessarily repeating the unimportant information, is just confusing as freak. I decided to ask her, okay, do you want a Dave single or a junior hamburger? And what toppings do you want? Mumbles continues saying, Oh my god, I want a burger with, can't even write what she said, and a chocolate chuck. I managed to get the topping she wanted by some miracle, then I asked about the shuck. To be clear, it sounded like chocolate chunk, which is a cookie we have. We also have a frotty, which is a shake, I guess. All this time, my shift supervisor's hovering around, and my fellow employees are getting antsy knowing crap's about to go down. Then it does. They say, are you freaking stupid? Oh my god, a chorclip chirp. I swear she got less intelligent with each passing second. I almost called an ambulance, but I was too angry about being called stupid. I said, ma'am, I'm doing what I can with what you're giving me here. Please pull forward. Screech. I think it's hilarious how people who call others stupid are literally the stupidest and stupidest looking people I've ever seen. She didn't disappoint. Ratty hair, rosacea, late 50s, dumb look on her face that's trying to look angry but I ain't buying it, looks too forced. Frank Gallagher wouldn't give her the time of day. By this time, I've decided I'm going to tell her off. And as she pulls up, she starts spitting at me while saying, is there a manager? Cause... I interrupted her by quoting my other manager I remembered who said, ma'am, you can't go insulting our employees because we don't understand you. You need to just shut up. 
My shift supervisor chimes in and says, OP, you can't talk to paying customers like that. Enter malicious compliance. I since shut the window on her as she still continues to yell to the open air while my shift manager knows I'm pissed and he decides to back down on this as I tell him how little I care about a crap paying job and I'll have two more of these by the time I get back home and that management needs to take care of us. We just got done with an ordeal where a customer called one of our employees the R word and management paid lip service to us but still apologized to the customer. Freaking two-faced jerk burgers. I was so pissed that I was willing to pay for her stuff so I could tell her off. That's what I did. I handed her her food, wouldn't let Samantha collect on it, told her, here, we don't want your greasy butt money, get the freak out of here, and don't come back without an apology letter. Pre-update, the shift supervisor knew exactly what this woman was ordering because she's done this BS before to other employees evidently. I can't believe they let her keep coming back. I'm taking a stand on this one. And I never paid for her food, I just let the crap supervisor figure it out. She never paid, but I'll be darned if I'm going to actually pay for her. And by the way, chocolate jerk means chocolate frosty. Who knew? OP should have started giving them mumble service in return. Be like, okay, please pull dough. Just see how long they could get away with it until they totally pissed off the customer. It was heading there anyway. Would you be surprised if those supervisors didn't ban that customer from attending that Wendy's? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Chronoslinger. You want me to make some cold calls? Sure, I'll call some people. I've worked in customer service for 8 years, but my best malicious compliance stories come from my time as a retail banker. I worked as a loan officer for the last half of my 5 year tenure in banking. It was a fairly easy job, as my bank was more concerned about good customer relationships than hard numbers. And then COVID hit and our deposits went down, which translates into less revenue. For those curious, many customers decided it was a good idea to withdraw cash, since they believed that the banks would shut down because of the pandemic. Because of a financially difficult 2020, management decided to make 2021 a bit more numbers-focused. For me, that translated into cold calls. Even though we've been relationship-based before, we did have to make sales, but never cold calls. My method was to suggest products at the customer's behest, but never just try to sell them something to make a quota. When I found out that I would need to make cold sales calls, I stalled as long as I could. There really wasn't any accountability for me making the calls outside of my manager asking if I'd done them and filling out a spreadsheet with who I'd called. It was with these guidelines that I decided to maliciously comply. Management asked me to make calls, but they never said anything about having to actually talk with anyone. So I found a free service called Slide Dial, which will send you straight to someone's voicemail when you call them. I made as many phone calls as I needed to, and they all went straight to voicemail. I filled out the spreadsheet and could truthfully say that I had made the calls. The calls were never brought up as part of my review, and I never mentioned my compliance with anyone at the company. Eventually, I left the job, in part due to the emphasis on sales. I have a much better work-from-home job now. That app is actually named pretty accurate for what that app does. And honestly, I'm kind of curious how that works. I didn't know that there would ever be a way that you could just somehow bypass somebody's ringing and just go straight to their voicemail. By the way, if you're enjoying stories like these, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. I cover lots of awesome stories in every single one, like this next one by Grisilda Loves Cats, 
Roman numerals? Okay. When my dad was in college, he had a one professor that seemed to make rules just to make life harder. Of course, it was a math-heavy class. One day, the professor asked dad to stop by his office to discuss his work. Dad went and was very surprised. His professor complained about dad's handwriting. Dad studied drafting, making blueprints in high school, and some previous college classes. His writing is incredible and often looks like a machine made it. It looks so machine made and perfect that I once got detention for faking his signature on a permission slip. So complaining about his handwriting was unexpected and confusing. Dad asked what he should do to make his writing more to the professor's liking. The professor said, I don't know, use Roman numerals maybe. So dad did all his homework using Roman numerals. Have you ever tried to write out an algebra problem using Roman numerals? It is not easy. Apparently it's harder to grade. The professor was so upset that the dean got involved. The dean first asked what was wrong with dad's handwriting because it was easy to read and clear. Then the dean asked dad why he used Roman numerals. Dad of course said, I asked professor how to improve to make my writing fit his standards and he said to use Roman numerals, so I did. The professor grumpily admitted to saying that and dad was not kicked out of the class. Being rather irritating, dad also did his income tax in Roman numerals. Who says the IRS has no sense of humor? He got a check, this was the 1960s, with his refund and a note that said, very funny, don't do this again. He still has it in his filing cabinet. I mean, I know the 1960s are basically like a whole other time nowadays, but it's still kind of impressive that despite being the 1960s, you could file your income tax return in Roman numerals and get away with it. Shoot, I still have respect for anybody that actually does their taxes by themselves, whether it's the 1960s or today. I definitely go through a service and just let them fill all the boxes in for me. Our next story is from I'm D&D. You're not medically qualified. I work in a prison, and working in a prison means a responsibility to ensure the well-being of inmates. As expected, this includes medical needs. Anything you would see a doctor for, the inmates would as well. The procedure would be to send a medical kite or letter to a medical with concerns, symptoms, etc., and request to be seen. For a true emergency, chest pains, trouble breathing, an inmate can declare a medical emergency. This is the equivalent of calling emergency services. When the medical emergency is requested, a radio call is made with the location, nature of the emergency, and the requested type of service needed such as facility medical staff, custody staff, and outside medical services. When a medical emergency or code is called, the facility is locked down, meaning no movement for inmates, lunch being served, sorry you'll have to wait to eat while this code's going on, time for you to go to work? Sorry, you're gonna lose some pay till this code is clear. As expected, there are incarcerated individuals that are not all that mentally stable. They'll declare a medical emergency for a hurt toe or heartburn. Now, as a regular person, I'm aware a hurt toe is not a medical emergency, so I and many others would advise the inmate to kite medical and request to be seen. This seemed to work for a long time until the administration began to receive complaints from the inmates that staff were ignoring the request to declare medical emergencies. You're not medically trained was the answer we received when we try to explain the reason for ignoring medical emergencies. Do your job and declare the medical emergencies. Message received loud and clear. Over the next week, medical emergencies went from one a day to three to four a day. 
Inmate stubbed a toe, medical emergency, constipated, medical emergency, itchy butt, medical emergency. You get the point. The facility was paralyzed, medical was mad because they had to respond to every call. Food services were mad because a meal that took an hour to serve was now two to three hours. The inmates were mad because their yard and gym time was affected. A week later to the day, an email directive was received to stop declaring medical emergencies and to use our judgment. A few staff members kept it going for another week until it faded out. There was no sorry for the inconvenience or you were right, but that email was so satisfying to receive. I definitely understand this from both sides, really. Like, from one side, you don't want any medical emergency that might seem not severe but actually is to go unnoticed or downplayed. Could you imagine those optics? Security guard refuses medical emergency. Not a good headline. But there's also definitely plenty of situations where these people are requesting it and they definitely don't need it. I feel like it's a tricky situation. And our final story of the day is by Torgila. Retroactive budget cutting leads to higher costs. I worked a job that required a lot of travel, like cross-country flights. The company policy stated that you only got paid for travel between the hours of 8 and 5. But everyone wanted to get home and see their families, and there was always a lot of work to do, so it was never questioned if you worked all day, then charged for the travel for a late-night flight so you could be home and show up to the office or work the next day, as long as you didn't do something crazy. Well, one day, a manager blew a budget and to shave some pennies and save face with accounting, rejected travel hours for someone who traveled after five retroactively without telling the employee to follow company policy. This person's paycheck took a hit and needless to say, they were not happy since they'd been asked to travel after hours to begin with. Now, there's many managers and many employees and the employees talked. Turns out the whole department decided to go union style on them. If one manager could do that, all could do it if accounting pressured them. We all agreed that we would simply follow policy and only travel between 8 and 5. Sounds simple, right? The implication of adhering to the policy while not working for free is that sure, the hours are the same, but other managers lose time in the office. More importantly, on one or both ends of a business trip, people would need to book an extra day of hotel, rental car, and all the associated meals to stay within company policy that hadn't been budgeted by management on all upcoming work. The end result, of course, is that this would cause all the other managers to lose money unnecessarily, and the company was forced to announce that they would no longer enforce that policy, and they retroactively approved that employee's hours and paid him. This took about a day to have the desired effect. The mere threat of this by the employees caused all the other managers to freak out. To be honest, most of the managers didn't agree with the policy to begin with. It was a corporate thing, and everyone knew that manager who did that was a jerk. All our time and travel is billed to clients anyway, so there's literally no downside to letting employees travel after business hours and paying them. Same company tried to not reimburse my business travel expenses for my last two months of working there because I no longer had an employee ID so they couldn't send me a check. Those expenses were surely billed to the clients and they try to just pocket that money. Funny how with the right kind of pressure, that money got direct deposited. Just kind of sounds like a shady company in general to me. Just seems like they're out to make a quick buck or profit off of the people where they can and really just see if they can get away with it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. 
So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.